We can go like this or you know, do something. And I suppose and some people with a big business, they put this billboard on highways and say in loud words and whatever they want to say. And if you uh, don't have that kind of means, you can use like a protest sign to say what you want to say or just simply yell and scream, hoping that people will come and listen to you. And uh, that's what we normally do with our kids and yell and scream. They do listen. Or if you really want attention from somebody that you really want to touch or, or want to get something out, just simply cry. That's like best way to uh, pay, get, get attention. And I suppose if you want to propose and try to get down on one knee in the marketplace, and then everybody will look at you. You draw attention. Now, we're concluding our series on the Galatians. We've been doing that for some time, and uh, we learned so much about the death of the gift of Christ, the grace. What does it really mean? So, Paul is now making conclusions. As we are finishing up our series on Galatians, he's making conclusion. He's making the final statement. He's making the final argument, like the lawyers would do in a final uh, argument. That salvation is not what you put into, but the grace of God is. God gives us that grace freely to unto us. All we got to do is simply believe. So in the last chapter, chapter 6, he makes this conclusion. He made a very strong argument from chapter 1 through chapter 5. In 6, he's trying to make that conclusion. So if you had to teach something for a long time, and you want to make a, 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 a case, or if you're writing an essay, You're trying to finish off very strong. How do you finish it? In high school, we are taught to use the transitional phrases like in conclusion, in summary. Well, in this case, kind of weak sounds a little weak, doesn't it? It needs some jolt. It needs some some real strong attention getter. And I suppose that Paul didn't have a microphone like we do with the speakers, like we do today. He didn't have any highlighters to, to say, this is what I'm trying to talk about. Uh, I'm supposing during that period of time, they didn't probably have exclamation mark. I don't know when that was invented, created, probably not back then. So what did he do? He wrote Big. He wrote in big letters. Galatians 6.11. See, guys, what large letters I am using as I write to you. What? With my own very hand. Now, there's something very significant about the fact that this particular uh, verse is included in the Bible. He didn't have to say it. It's just Bible. It's a scripture. God's word. We'll take it just as equally. But 
he goes on to say, look, guys, look what large letters I am using to make a point. And I am, in fact, writing myself. So what is this big letters? It does not mean like you would think or we would think you're writing with the big letters like ABC alphabets. He's really talking about the actual content of the letter that he's writing itself. The important thing is that he wrote it himself. You see, in those days, you know, a lot of you probably don't know. Said people who doesn't really quite believe in God, who wrote this? Well, people. No, we said, no, God wrote it. God inspired uh, some people, chosen ones, to write this. But in actuality, Paul didn't write everything. He wrote it, but he had a helper. He had an assistant. He had a like, transcriber. Uh, I think it's called more technically a man nuances is I think what's called people who actually write whoever is saying they dictate when they do dictation. That's what they call. And and Paul saying in a big loud message, not only am I writing this big letters, I am writing it. I'm not using my assistant to write. I am writing. That's a loud voice. So therefore, don't skip it. It is so important. It was so important, he would probably even, if he had to, if that was the culture of that time, he would probably write it with his blood. Because everything about the grace was written with technically with the blood, with Jesus shedding his blood. He would have done that because he too was persecuted for it. He had marks of Jesus on his body. In other words, he had scars. Just like Jesus, Paul had scars on his body from the persecutions that he received trying to defend the grace. My father was a very romantic guy. You want to hear about it? For that time. Maybe not today. He was, he fell in love when he was in high school. He loved this girl so much. But the Korean War broke. And it was high school, like senior year. And Korea was basically, as you all know, it just got devastated and overtaken by communism. A little tiny uh, area just above the Busan was left. And he was right there at the borderline. So he had to go and fight. Actually, he volunteered to fight. And he looked at his girlfriend and said, we are going to be in love forever. So, According to his autobiography, and he told me proudly, they together wrote on a piece of paper with blood, together forever. And he carried one of it 
folded in his wallet and carried with him throughout the battles in Korean War. And she kept the other copy. I suppose the blood that he had it was from her blood. Maybe the one that she had it was his blood from the finger. Simply together forever. Well, the war was about three some years uh, later war and uh, lasted and he came back. He was shocked. He was shocked. She could, he could not see her. She was already married off to a rich family's son. He was so mad that he called the parents of the girl and confronted them. Here is my promise with your daughter together forever. And he put that piece of paper that he took out of the wallet on the ground. And because he was a soldier, he still carried the gun. He took the gun out and blasted the piece of paper. Pretty romantic, huh? <laughs> he did it to make a point. I suppose back in the uh, 1950s, you could do that. To Paul, it wasn't quite like that, but the sentiment was the same. Are you listening to me? To Paul, it's not quite like that, but his sentiment was about the same. When he first fell in love with the Galatians, teaching them about the grace of Jesus, they all fell in love with that very grace. That grace is enough, as we sang today. Grace is sufficient. You don't need any other works. They accepted it. They embraced it. And then Paul left to other places. He traveled, but when he came back, things were different. These Galatians moved on to marrying into another doctrine, and Paul was angry. And he was ready to blast, perhaps not like my father. So therefore, he wrote it, the message, in big letters. And wrote it himself to give the final emphatic, emphatic tr uh, thrust to his message. You see, in those days, there were uh, a large in the Greek, it's more like, it means like grand. And the word letter means effective letter or letter effect. It's like very effective writing. It's in making his point very clear. And by writing himself and adding this final word to sum up the whole letter, as in making grand entrance towards the end to finish off his point. So what was his final emphatic thrust? What was his point? Paul is saying, before I left you, you knew the grace. The grace is a free gift, not by works. Not by observe, observing any law such as circumcision. 
and I came back, and I see that you have changed. You turn the tradition into a law. You require this law as a condition for salvation. And this law of yours has become your legalism. And you're using this condition or more or less to judge and to persecute your brothers. Salvation is not about procedure, method, or even process. So he's saying, people, listen up. I am writing this in big letters, meaning I am writing myself to make a strong appeal to you. You know what this is all about? The, the emphatic uh, thrust, the point? Hey, guys, it's all about love. Salvation was given its birth because of God's love. Without God's love, there won't be any grace. There won't be Christ who may have died for us. It is about loving, caring for one another. It is about love showing as forgiveness. And that's why Christ died, to give us that freedom. Galatians 5.11, it is for freedom that, freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. That's right. You're no longer slavery to anything of the past. You are free. Free from the sins of the past. Free from the guilt of the past. Because love sets us free. And therefore we too have to live a life with the spirit of love. Not judgment. As resulted by laws. So question to you is, are we living in the spirit of love or do we live in the spirit of judgment and criticism? And before he wrote that particular verse 11, he wrote in verse 10, Galatians chapter 6, 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There is no room for judgment. There's no room for criticism. And when, when God said that our ultimate mission in life is to love your neighbor as yourself, he is saying that overarching motivation for our daily life should be based on love. When you discipline your kids, are you being tough with the spirit of love or are you simply provoking them? The Bible says, to discipline a child with rod and he will not die. That's provided that you are doing it 
in the spirit of love. At the same time, Bible says not to provoke your children. That's if you're doing it without the spirit of love. I have done that a number of times, provoking sometimes without the spirit of love. Yes, hurt my children in the past. Not very proud of it, but the grace would allow me to start over again. And I remember back in the hospital, and I know you heard me several times, waiting in the hospital for five months, laying flat, reading Bible. I worked so hard to achieve something in life. And when you are closer to the time facing that so-called possibility of death, all this accomplishment, it was, didn't even occur to me. It was always like, why did I speak to someone? Why did I speak to my wife and children, even the co-workers, without the spirit of love? That actually, in fact, and I know I provoked them. And here is a big letter message for you. What are the things in your life that you are so set on that if others do not come around to your sets of conditions that you would use that very conditions to judge, to hurt, and to even provoke others? What are the things in your life that you are so set on that people must come around that condition for you to love. Otherwise, you end up judging them, hurting them, and provoking them. What circumcision kind of values do you have in your life right now? What circumcision kind of life do you have that love cannot overcome? One other example of this kind of circumcision is concerning the Sabbath day. God said to rest on the Sabbath day. To which today us is Sunday, the holy day. And the Jews, they observe that, and they should, and they have. The Pharisees honored Sabbath day. It was all for good intention. But Pharisees, as you know, they used that to hurt Jesus. No, no, no. They did not hurt Jesus. They plot to kill Jesus. What is love in that? Do you have something like that in your life right now? 
You see, Jesus observed the Sabbath day. But one particular Sabbath day, one particular holiday, Jesus healed the sick. Because Jesus knew that God created all of us in love. In Mark 2, 27 and 27, and Jesus, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. It's not the other way around. Sabbath day was made for man, not man for the Sabbath day. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. It means the day of the Sabbath is a day to show some love. Honoring God and loving, loving our neighbors as ourselves. So what happened? Pharisees instead, they judged him. Mark 3, 1 through 2 says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Later, they began to plot to kill him. The Pharisees, instead of using the original intent of the Sabbath day to honor and to love God and to his people, they used the Sabbath day to judge and to plot to kill Jesus because they turned the Sabbath day into law like circumcision law. Do we do that? Do we do that? I'm a conservative. I have a set of belief and ideology. I disagree with some of the beliefs of my liberal friends, yet I don't judge them. I don't hate them. I don't provoke them. I listen to them and love them. That's the spirit of love. So for the next two months, until the midterm election, let's be careful that we do not use our sets of values, values and conditions to decide whether to accept a person with a different view into your circle or not. We are called to be good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So in Galatians, Paul wrote six chapters. In the first four chapters, it was all about there is only one gospel the gospel of grace. It is all about grace, not the work of man. It is about believing, not observing the law. 
And after having presented his argument, he present uh, uh, the concerns for Galatians, and he even go to say, saying like, "Don't let me down. Do not waste my effort on you." With all these big letters, all these letters that I'm writing myself, don't waste it. Emphasizing again, again, the importance of his message. So then in chapter 5 and 6, he swiftly moves into very nature of grace. That the, the root of grace is love. That God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. That's how we received grace, through his son. But it started because God so loved the world. Basically, Paul is saying to us, love trumps all. Love trumps law. Love trumps any of our own effort to do good. And Paul wrote in big letters the essence of grace, the essence of Christianity. He writes the essence of Bible in its totality into this powerful summary, a powerful conclusion. When Paul is talking about all this loss and grace, and, and ultimately he comes with this very Bible verse we know so very well. This Bible verse came as a part of the argument for grace. The entire law, we can talk about all the laws you want, but the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what Jesus did. He loved us to the point of sacrificing his life. Love did that. And that caused him a permanent mark, scar on his body. But that scar, that mark on his body, were used to reveal to the people, to confirm, as yes, indeed I have risen. When you receive scar or mark of Jesus because you're defending the grace in the name of Jesus and the love, it will be one day be used to reveal the glory of God. Love your neighbor as yourself is to sacrifice. It's to get some bruises and scars and marks of Jesus. And if we try to avoid these marks, we might just end up yielding to the ways of the law rather than love that resulted in grace. He warns us, if you don't do this, if you keep on judging, keep on persecuting, keep on hating, we all be destroyed by each other. Not by devil, but by each other. Galatians 5, 16, if you keep on 
biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Then in verse uh, 22 of chapter 5, he reinforces the fruit of love, the fruit of spirit. You wonder where this Bible verse came from? Galatians. While he's making that argument about the grace, about the, the gospel. That's when this verse came. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you put this in the context, that this Bible verse that we have heard so many times came in Galatians, in his argument, his final statement to the people of Galatians, it's all about love. It's not about the law. The love trumps over the law. Then Galatians 6.2, he gets more specific about what this love is. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will be fulfill the law of Christ. That you will fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to fulfill the law, if you want to observe the law, then carry each other's burden. That's to love them and sacrifice for them. Then he says, grace comes with a price. Jesus paid the price. His hands and feet were pierced. He died. Then he was resurrected. So the power of grace can be fulfilled. The price Jesus paid is shown through his wounds. And Paul says, likewise, I too have scars. I too have marks of Jesus. It took a price to defend the grace that face, the faith is enough. Not the law, such as circumcision. The big letters, the big letters are these messages. The grace is enough. The grace is enough. Jesus paid for it. He has marks on his body to show it. And again, Paul says, I too have marks of Jesus. I too had to pay the price to defend the essence of grace. Galatians 6.17 I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What marks do you carry on your body today? The big letter message to us is also Galatians 18, chapter 6, 18. The grace, 
the very grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, that we too need to live out in the spirit of his grace, that which is love. Sometimes we will have to defend this faith. And by all means, defend the grace, even if it brings marks of Jesus on our bodies. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you.